The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. <laughs> Welcome to Bear of Ballas. I'm Jeff Berkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by the editor of that fine website, Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. Lester, really fun first three quarters yesterday, and then the fourth quarter happened. But how are you feeling about this particular, you know, fourth quarter that just didn't quite work out for the Bears and a tough loss? Yeah, that's a game the Bears should have won. I mean, if you look back at it, you know, hindsight, there were some uh, some mistakes, obviously, by the Bears, you know. Uh, the defense, you know, they couldn't get a job done. But the offense, they didn't come through and make plays when they had to. Uh, they, they left some stuff on the field there. The officiating, that's a, that's a whole other story. But, uh, yeah, the, this is a game the Bears could have won, the Bears should have won. And I know a lot of fans are like, hey, it's a great tank loss. And, you know, the wins matter. At some point, it's good to see have a young team learn how to win games, you know. And this team's not quite there yet. I know a lot of people in, in, in the media – are kind of criticizing the fact that they can't pull out wins like this, but you know, this is still 10 games into a rebuild or a reset, whatever you want to call it. So it'll come, you know, if, if it doesn't come then then I guess this team has a lot more problems because it's never going to happen. But I think Justin Fields is the guy. I think the bears have that quarterback, you know, solved and, you know, moving forward, this team will eventually learn how to win. Yeah. I think that we're, <laughs> I, I had a couple thoughts on that. <laughs> We have people in our orbit that certainly are into the tank loss thing. Mm-hmm. I don't like the tank loss thing. Now, when I'm at the end of the year and I look back and I say, what pick do we have and where does that project and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I want a higher pick, right? But when you're going through the season, I really don't know how you can be like, oh, that's cool. We get a higher pick. Yeah, whatever. Like, I'm too... Even now, I'm still too emotionally invested in these games yeah. to want to be like, oh, yeah, that's cool that we had a 96% win probability <laughs> at the start of the fourth quarter. And then by the end of the game, yeah, we lost. No big deal. Whatever. Move on. Like, I can't do that. If you're a well-adjusted human and apparently can do that, that's great. Good for you. But I can't do that in the season. I can only do that in hindsight and be like, okay, that's cool. Let's let's take that year, kind of forget about it. And so I don't really love that conversation that happens. Like, I don't want this team to lose. And I do think if you get into this losing culture, it's really hard to get yourself out of it, right? And so I think that right now, the, the, the things that Justin Fields is doing is going to set the Bears up for a potentially really great free agency period. 
because I think that there are going to be a lot of people that want to come play with a dynamic quarterback. If he is ascending into where we think he could be, which is like a top five quarterback, then a lot of people are going to want to block for Justin Fields. A lot of people are going to want to catch Justin Field passes, and they're going to want to play defense because the Bears are going to win football games because they have that guy. And then if you're going to win football games, that's when you get more primetime games. That's how you get paid, right? These guys aren't stupid. They know they want to go to teams that win. And so I do think that he's going to be the ultimate recruiting tool, but it does still help if you're winning football games uh, and then showing that you're going to get on those primetime games. So I just, I can't get there quite yet. I know maybe in the off season, I'll be happy with, with the final record. I just can't do it during the year. Yeah. I'm the same way. You know, it's a matter of, you know, the locker room, the guys in the locker room, there's no such thing as tanks. You know, organizations may set themselves up to where they're not going to have the best record due to whatever reason. You know, this year, a lot of it was the salary cap. They were, they were handicapped with a lot of dead cap space, draft picks, handicapped with not having all the picks. They made some moves, you know, moving forward. Yeah, that's one thing. But this year, you know, it's. Those, those players want to win, man. I mean, Justin Fields sat at his locker in, in full gear for like an hour. You know, you know, he didn't even go and, and meet the media until like, you know, way after because he was upset. Uh, the defensive players talked about how how upset they were with the loss. You know, they talked about how they, you know, they, they, they have to do more for Justin Fields. I think this team is Justin Fields' team. I think they all are going to rally around their guy, their leader, uh, the QB1. And I think that's good to see. And, and like I said, those wins eventually will come. They will learn how to win these close games. They're just not quite there yet. Well, let's get into the categories and let's talk about this game. Let's not belabor it too much. But Portillo's Trends Tribute, of course, you guys don't know. If this is your first episode, interesting one for you to choose to tune into. But giving away $100 gift cards, we continue to do so. Please just comment who your player of the week is. You get brownie points from us if it's a... Uh, a lineman of some type uh, for the for the trench tribute, but it doesn't have to be. You can you can make it Justin Fields. You can make it Cole Herbert, like whoever you want to make it. You can make it Jack Sanford, right? If those if that's where you want to go, leave it where you find uh, where you get your uh, Baron Balance, or you can email us at two nbcitygridiron at gmail and we will enter you into the random drawing that we do at once a week. So Portillo's trench tribute this week, Lester. You go first. It's a rough one. I mean, it's a rough one. I, 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 the defense, of course, got gashed quite a bit. There was one guy that kind of stood out above the rest on defensive line. I'm like, well, maybe him. Um, the offense, I'm like, you know, just a rough one. Um, I'm going to go Michael Schofield. Um, I thought he did a decent job, you know, for, for stepping in. Tevin Jenkins, of course, was was a late scratch. I'm sure the Bears knew about it. As fans, we weren't aware of it, but he was questionable because of uh, of that hip injury. You know, we all thought he probably would play through it, but you know, it's it's tough. I mean, it's it's a pain threshold thing. It's a if you can't you know move the guy in front of you, you, you know, you got to take take the game off. So Michael Schofield coming in um, unexpected. I thought he was fine. He was decent. You know, n- nothing spectacular from any of those five guys up front. Uh, but of those five, I thought he was okay, and I thought the fact that he'd be able to step in and at least keep things going. I mean, the Bears' offense still put up 30 points here we're talking about, so it wasn't like, you know, the the game, the offense had, you know, too many struggles, but still the, the pass pro wasn't the best. Run blocking was okay, but overall, I, I got to go Michael Schofield. I thought it was pretty cool that he was stepping in and, you know, local guy. I think it's a, I think it's a cool story. Yeah, I had uh, Schofield written down in my, my short list. 
Um, I really kind of challenged myself a little bit because I wasn't really seeing anything in the offensive line either. Right. Uh, like, like you say, so I, I, and the defense, it's tough to honor somebody on the defense when they give up that many points. But I will say that coming into this game, the bears were giving up a lot of yards on the ground and Detroit is actually really good at running the football. And when I, when I went back and rewatched, I tried to, okay, where are they getting their yards and, and where are they being successful? And to be fair to the Bears' defensive line, they were not having any success up the middle. They had to run on the outside. Now, what does that mean? Justin Jones had a couple tackles for loss, looked pretty good. And then I wanted to just say Armand Watts as well, right? So two interior guys thought they had pretty good games. Not perfect. You know, they got that last, you know, down at the end. They, you know, they gave a touchdown on the ground, all that. I, I get it. It's not a perfect game. But I want to at least kind of point out that those guys play pretty well, particularly when they have, you know, that the defensive line has not done very well this year at all. And they're against a, a good rushing football team. So I'm going to give it to Jones with a little assist to Armand Watts. Those are good picks. I, I, I got Jones. I'll talk about him a little later. But yeah, I like Jones. He's the one guy that I was thinking about for this year as well. Decent, you know, decent game. Watts had a couple flash plays. You know, those uh, Blackson, Angela Blackson, each week continues to make a play here and there. You know, I know he's coming off the bench now, but, you know, he, he's a veteran. You know, I mean, he's obviously not a, a long-term fixture here, but, you know, he, he he's a solid rotational guy. And so, you know, he, so he's okay, but, you know, just overall, the, the, the defensive front seven uh, had, another, had another, another rough one. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we need to probably belabor it too no. much. <laughs> So why don't we move on to the tweet of the week? So what did you come up with uh, this week for what the Twitter machine spit out? Well, we still have it. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, this was all over the place. You know, this is mentioned a lot, but I know not everyone, you know, is is, is on the Bird app. So at Optistats, uh, they, they tweeted out the Chicago Bears are the first team in NFL history to score at least 29 points in three consecutive games and lose all three games. You know, it kind of goes what we're talking about. The defense hasn't been the best. But the offense, as as much as many problems as the offense still has, it's it's not a, a finished product by any means. Justin Fields not a finished quarterback by, by any means. There's some issues there with the receiving core still, but man, the offense, it, it's it's at least fun as Bears fans. You know, we're seeing our team score points, we're moving the ball. It's unconventional, sure, but you know they're putting points in the board. And like I talked about earlier, man, it's going to click eventually. They will learn learn how to finish. You know, they're able to, to get, you know, most of the game, you know, racking up a ton of points, just can't finish. It's coming. It's, it's coming. Boy, that's an depressing stat. I don't think, I mean, like, that's what, it's, what's so funny is that before the year, you have these conversations, right? These hypothetical conversations. The number of five-minute I've had with Robert Schmitz that take uh, an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, <laughs> I just guy. need five minutes, Jeff. And then it's, you know, it goes on for 105. But you have these long conversations with people and you just sort of play these things out. And the number of times that there was some facsimile of, boy, if Justin Fields can just take that step and the offense can just look functional, I don't need the best scoring offense in the league. I just need functional, Jeff. That's all I need, right? Like you hear that. And then we get this, we get more than function. We get a really fun, different, exotic running game that's like actually doing some things that I'll get to here in a minute uh, that, that I think are pretty interesting. And they lose games because the defense is terrible because they 
have lost their four best four of their best players from last year to letting them walk in free agency or trading them. And they're young and they're under talented. And, you know, it's a gap year. And then we still get upset. And I get that because you want to see the games won, but we are actually getting a lot of what we were hoping for in the preseason. We are actually seeing this ascension of number one, and we're seeing a functional offense. We're seeing an offensive coordinator that looks like he has figured out how to move the pieces around, despite the fact that, let me remind you, not a lot of talent on offense either. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, there's some good running backs. And yeah, obviously, Justin Fields' development. Those wide receivers still need to step up. They still don't have a deep wide receiving group, right? And Chase Claypool is not up to pool is not up to speed. So, I mean, I feel like it's I don't I don't know. It's not. It doesn't even feel like empty calories to me. This is what we wanted. This yeah. is a good result, but it's just hard in the moment because you want to see the W's. It's such a strange thing to see as Bears fans because we're, we're not used to this. You know, I mean. Yeah, they're, during the Tressman era, they had some 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 pretty nice offensive performances, coupled with some Mel Tucker D, which is just bad. But that was just a different different team, a different. The, the Bears were in a different place then, you know. Now the Bears are in a place where they may have the guy at quarterback. You know, finally after all these years, they may have finally got the guy. It seems that way. The offense starts starting to trend upwards. I mean, you could say the Bears have had probably one of the best offenses in the game the last month of, of the NFL season, which is, again, such a weird statement to make. But look at the numbers, look at the points. It's true. It's it's there. They're not winning games, but it's, you know, the offense has been clicking. So it's a weird place to be as a as a Bears fan. You, you know, we still understand that in this day and age, you got to be able to pass the ball. You know, it'd be nice if you can win games, but we got to see the passing game events click. So, Again, man, it's coming. You know, we just got to believe it as Bears fans. We got to see the, the 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 trajectory is pointing up with Justin Fields and the passing offense. It's getting there. Uh, well, let's talk about the defense. This is a hell of a tweet. And I uh, let me just say, I was at the Washington Commanders game. If you could have given me some long odds, I say like, all right, Jeff, I'll, you know, put a hundred bucks down, and I will give you a hundred to one. The Bears are going to have you know, the, a top whatever offense in the next month, I would have been like, hell, I'm not going to let you steal my money. Yeah. Right? There's no way. No one would have taken that bet after what happened in the first month. So uh, my tweet, Jonathan Wood, our friend Jay Wood, uh, he is at Jonathan underscore Wood one. In case you are wondering just how bad Chicago's defensive line has been in the last four games, they have played a total of 918 snaps and accumulated zero sacks and seven quarterback hits. <laughs> so bad. It's, it's so bad, right? Um, obviously, there have been sacks. Uh, you know, it, we know that Sanborn had sacks, but like this is from defensive linemen. So they have not played well. And that's, uh, you know, some of the thought was okay, you trade Robert Quinn, who was not having a good year in Chicago. Don't get me wrong. You trade Robert Quinn, and that opens up more reps for these younger guys to see what you have. And that's what we're seeing, right? So we are seeing, like, can Travis Gibson ascend into the guy? Can he be, you know, your number one edge defender? Can, you know, can he be the number two edge defender, right? Is uh, Al-Kadi Muhammad a guy that you can count on? No. Is, you know, is, what, what's Dominique Robinson have, right? I mean, I still have some hope for him, right? I mean, he still shows flashes, but you have to get some level of consistent pressure with just your four down linemen. Um, if you want to be successful on defense, you can't hang your your secondary out. I don't care how good the secondary 
is in terms of talent level. It is one of the, if not the most talented unit on this team. So I don't really care how much the, the secondary improves. If you're giving the quarterback all day, it doesn't really matter. And so this, this actually does probably tell a story of where the Bears are going to spend some resources in the offseason. Yeah, it's got to be the D-line. I mean, it's if you would have talked about you know investing draft picks or, or free agent money into the defense early in the season, Bears would be like, no, how, how could you? The, the offense is so bad, but you know the offense will turn around when – there's just a lot of holes on this roster. I mean, the O-line has to be touched up. The receiving core has to be touched up. And that D line has to be touched up because, like you said, it's it's Muhammad. It's uh, just I think Justin Jones is a nice piece. He's he obviously you're going to be here for another year with the contract. But you know if you can find a better three tech, and now he's your top reserve off the bench, I think that's probably better for you as a franchise. You know you, you got to find a, a another pass rusher because, or I should say, you have to find a pass rusher because Travis Gibson's not getting it done. Robinson's still kind of young. You know I I still think there's some upside there, but. It's just not happening. So you got to find someone there. And, and you know, this is where the Bears are going to go attacking in free agency. And I'm not sure if there's any top D linemen available. I haven't really had a chance to go over the, the thing. Plus, it all changes. You know, we're still early in the end of the season. You know, things will change. Guys will be cut. They're not expected to be cut. But, you know, they're going to have to invest on that D line a little bit to find some uh, passable players here. Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be some investment there for sure. So why don't we move on to the stat of the week, caught up in a numbers game. What did you pull for this one? It, you know, I'm going to stay consistent. It's the same number I had the last two weeks because the Bears have been inching close to this record. That's 225. Uh, the Bears are now the first team in NFL history to rush for at least 225 in five consecutive games. Um, against the Lions, they went for 258, You know, which actually increased their league-leading Rushing mark, you know, averaging 201.7 yards per game. You know, they're the top rushing team in the game. It's just, it's, it's again, it's, it's, it's old school football. You know, it's may not be sustainable in this day and age because you have to be able to pass to win. But, you know, they're, uh, it's fun watching how they do this. A lot of it is fields, you know, and his scrambling ability. But, you know, there's some design runs here, too, from fields where he's just, you know, the Bears have blocked it well. Um, it's a nice play design from Luke Getze. It's just fun to watch this, and I keep going back to the to the hope as Bears fans, man. Once the passing game catches up to the run game a little bit, you know this 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 should be a really really fun offense to watch. Completely agree. You actually stepped on my stat, so I'm gonna just kind of roll in with it. Um, that 201.7 number is my stat of the week. Oh, nice. I had been watching the yards per game slowly climb or quickly climb, really. Uh, you know, over the last you know five six games. Uh, as this run game has really hit its stride and it went over the 200 mark. And I thought that's, that's fascinating, right? <laughs> I mean, we're, we're deep into the season. I mean, there's, there's 10 games, right? So, so 201.7 yards per game on the ground. Uh, obviously a lot of that has been fueled by uh, Justin Fields, but let's not forget early on, there was some really great, there was a great Khalil Herbert game. There was a great David Montgomery game early on in the, uh, in the season. So let us not forget about that as a whole package is pretty fascinating. So I went back in time to see what other years stick out for the Chicago bears. And again, different eras of football. I understand that, but like, what is a comparable year do we have in team history? And so obviously you're going to think Walter Payton, right? It's going to be Walter Payton years. So 1985 Chicago bears averaged 172.6 on the ground. Wow. per game. 84 is a little better at 185.9. 
the best Peyton year, which shouldn't surprise you to anybody, 77, um, they averaged 200.8 yards per game. So still, they're ahead of that seven, great 77 year. From 77, basically before Peyton, you got to skip a couple decades because there's some bad Bears football between that time. Got to go all the way back to 1956. That's, uh, you know, Gallimore, Caceres, that era, right? 205.7. Oh, wow. Is what they average on the ground there. Uh, and then you go back to 51, 200.7. So about the same. That's That was the Johnny Lujak spike. So that's the year that Johnny Lujak had a lot of rushing yards. So he had the a quarterback that was adding to the rushing game. 48 and 41. So you have kind of the start and the, the end of the T formation domination era. Uh, they averaged 204.3 and 205.8 per game. So again, kind of in that era, they were, and this was a dominant group at that time, you know, Hall of Fame offensive linemen everywhere, a lot of that kind of stuff. And then go all the way back to 1934, which who knows how good those stats are, but 219 yards on the ground per game. And that's the BD Feathers 1,000 yard season year. That's incredible. I mean, that's, uh, I was wondering where those, where those numbers were all time. I'm glad you dug those up. I had a feeling you're going to dig those up because you're, you're very good with the historical research 219, you know, I mean, the bears are, are 201 or over 200 yards a game. Doesn't happen very often. You know, the bears are actually on pace. Yes. It's, it's a 17 game season now, but they are on pace to eclipse the, uh, the Ravens record, which was set in the 16 game season. Uh, they're now on pace to have the all time leading rushing yards per season in the NFL history. That's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. Something to root for in a, in a year where, you know, the bears aren't going to make the playoffs. So to me, that's, that's playoffs. pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is a little bit of that, right. Especially since after the, the Falcons game coming up, you know, the jets are playing better football. They've, get, they've got the Packers, which, you know, you got to play the 11 and green and gold and the, the guys in the black and white stripes. And then, you know, you have the bills, the Eagles, those games are going to be really tough to get through, right? Yeah. If you don't have something to cheer for. So, <laughs> excuse me. Um, let's uh, let's jump into the Fields report. Twenty, so, sorry, twelve of twenty for 167 yards passing, two touchdowns, the one very critical pick six uh, that he threw yes. uh, that that tied the game up. That was rough. Thirteen carries for 147 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. I. Uh, I mean, the, the touchdowns were both unreal. I mean, the the long touchdown, I mean, we're going to be seeing that highlight for a really long time. It was kind of fun how they were teasing the, like, what was it? They called it the big one or the little one. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was like, what is this all about? And and how he was able to, I mean, obviously Akuda got him uh, on, on the pick six, but it, it kind of got him. I mean, that was just a bad throw by Justin. That Terrible wasn't, decision. That wasn't a, a great play. I mean, it was a, it's a nice, it's a fine play, but it wasn't. A, like this great corner play. It was a bad play by Justin, but uh, that run where he's able to outrun everybody and then kind of snake in and like break those pursuit angles. I just, it was just, it's a fascinating run, but let's not forget about the short touchdown run, which was oh, yeah. he's dead to rights. He's, he's running to the right. And then he just shakes off a tackle and comes back left and then piles into the insult. Like what is happening with this guy? These are, these highlight runs are just, taking over and they're taking everybody by storm and at this point i think it would be a mild upset if he's not a pro bowl quarterback because i think people are in on the justin fields experience well i did an article at wcg uh yesterday i was kind of looking through twitter and i got a, an email from nfl and 
they just list all these records that that Justin Fields has has hit, and I'm like, wow, there's so many there. So I kind of went through them all and I put them in an article. So if you haven't had a chance to check that out, make sure you go to the site. There are just so many records that he is and milestones that he's hitting. You know, the the most ever two game stretch for a quarterback in, in the history of the league. You know, um, he's the only quarterback in the Super Bowl era with multiple rushing touchdowns of 60 plus yards in the same season. Just so many. You know, he, the, the last five games he had 555 yards rushing. That's the most by any quarterback in a five game span in the, in the in the Super Bowl era. So, just so many records that he's hitting here. So many Bears records. So many NFL records. You know, it's it's exciting. Can you imagine where the Bears would be without Justin Fields? This team may not have any wins this whole season. You know, and and there was some 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 talk on on Twitter, and you know, I think it was one of the ESPN or NFL Network guys. They mentioned the MVP candidate Justin Fields. Of so course, Orlovsky. That's never happening. The Bears no. are a losing team. Never happening. But the fact that people are starting to think this way. And, and I had the same thought yesterday. I'm like, where would it be? The, the true sense of the MVP award is, is not, it's, it's the most valuable. Is it for the league or most valuable per your team? If it's per your team, is there anyone more valuable to their team than Fields is right now in the entire NFL? It's, it's ridiculous what he's doing, you know, from just the individual standpoint. His, his percentage of, of yards for the, for the team has got to be like well over anyone else in the NFL right now. Yeah, I mean, it is a very, it's a similar year to Lamar's MVP year in, in a lot of ways of what Lamar was doing. He was kind of taking the league by storm in a very different way. Um, and then again, just this wasn't Justin's game in college. And so the fact that they leaned into this and he's embraced it and it's really helped unlock things, I think just really speaks to when the passing game does catch up. And I'll say when it does, not if it does, because I do think it's coming. Uh, and so that to me is there's this other level for, for him to reach. And so it's just really exciting. And, you know, we've been in on him for, you know, we're really excited. We understand how quarterbacks develop, you know, in a nonlinear way and it's slow and we're trying to figure all this stuff out. But yeah, I mean, obviously the bears would be all win 17. I mean, they, they would, they would make the record books for bad reasons. He's making the record books despite everything else around him. Uh, there's very few guys that, are going to be on this team in two years that are currently on the squad. So that, that's one way to think about it too. So I, I, I think the, there was a, a nice, um, well, obviously the league play that, uh, that Komet scored on was, was fun, right. Where he's, he's wide open, but there was, there was a couple of scrambles to, and then keep himself alive, kept looking downfield mm -hmm. and, and hit some intermediate throws downfield, scramble, scramble drill. I, that's the kind of stuff you want to see. It's not, yeah. he's always taking off and, and the lions, you can see that they were uh, rushing disciplined for a fair amount of the game. Like they were trying to stay in their area. They weren't letting him get outside. Like they, they had a conscious approach to how they were going to rush him so that he wasn't going to be able to do some of the crazy Justin Fields stuff that he was doing. But he still finishes 147 yards rushing. Right. And so that's, that's what's happening. He is breaking things. Like he is breaking pursuit angles. He's breaking, um, you know, some of the basic rules because how do you train for this guy? How do you, how do you practice for this guy? And I think part of it is, I think he is much faster in real life than he looks like on film. Like, I think people don't realize just how fast, I mean, you keep hearing it. Yeah, I didn't realize he was that fast, man. I didn't realize he could move like that. Right. And I think it's just the way that he runs. It doesn't maybe project 
because they think he's bigger than what people might think he is. I, I've heard people, oh, he's kind of a small quarterback. It's like, this is not a small guy. What are, what are we talking about here? Yeah. So there's something about the way he looks on film. And then once they actually see him in person, it's like, oh, this is a different thing. He doesn't have the the shiftiness of Lamar Jackson, but but he he's just as quick and has the acceleration where he can stop, start, and get going. I mean, that that the, the real long play he had where he kind of broke through the line, his acceleration. You know, we've saw it now for a few weeks now, and you know he ex- he gets to his top speed quick. You know, that's what you want to see as an athlete, and he gets there. Like I said, he doesn't have the shiftiness. He's not elusive as to the, to the point where Lamar Jackson is. Because when when you have Lamar Jackson run, it's just he's at a different level. The stuff he does is just so ridiculous the way he's able to like, you know, just juke guys and, and, and dip in and out of their stuff. Justin Fields is more like, you know, foot in the ground, accelerate and go. And it's just, uh, it, it's cool to see because, you know, it's it, it, both, both styles work, you know, and then just like Lamar Jackson, he still gets, you know, people still say, Oh, he's not a quarterback, but you know, his passing numbers eventually caught up to where he was. And, yeah, he's not, you know, Peyton Manning. He's not going to sit in the pocket, but you know, it's it's fine. I mean, it's it's the NFL. Today's NFL, you got to kind of do both. I think kind of seeing the the evolution of the quarterback position, you know, and and the passing game will get there at some point because, like you said, this wasn't his game in Ohio State. You know, he wasn't a, an option run first guy. He was a in the pocket passer guy. I went back and watched some of some of his 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 Ohio State film recently and just kind of remind myself, like you know, exactly who he was and. No, he'll get there. You know, it's uh, it's it's a again, it's a slow process. This is only his twentieth start in the NFL. I think is if you look at where he is with his draft mates, I think he's he's probably the best quarterback of his class. I think Trevor Lawrence is still pretty good, but the rest of the guys, you know, he's uh, he's right there where you want to be. You know, the the arrows pointing up. It's going to be a fun storyline against the Jets because imagine what the Jets would look like if they did oh, the. Man would have done the smart thing and taken Justin Fields. Yeah. Um, we will uh, we will break here real quick. And on the other side of this, we're going to talk about everybody's favorite segment, the three bears. Support for this podcast comes from smart water. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smart water alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated. No matter where your day takes you, whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, smart water alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. All right, Lester, let's talk three bears. Hot bowl of porridge, cold bowl of porridge, and just right. I'll let you start off. I got to go Lake Zurich native, uh, University of Wisconsin's Jack Sanborn, undrafted free agent. You know, 12 tackles, two sacks, two tackles for loss. Uh, he had the interception that was called back because of uh, some phantom penalty. Um, but, man, Jack Sanborn, I mean, who expected him to be playing this good? I know there were a lot of fans. Uh, in, uh, in a the, lot of people. In the preseason, they ex- they said it, but I don't think they actually believed it. The fact that we're seeing it now is kind of cool. Um, uh, can you keep it up? I think that would be great. I mean, if you, if you found a, a future starter as a UDFA, that's some nice scouting right there for uh, Ryan Poles and his staff. A lot of people liked him because he's, you know, big yeah. 10. So there's that, you know, a lot of people watched him and they got excited about it. And some I don't know. Suburbs, you know. Yeah. It's like, all right, fine, <laughs> like whatever we'll see, uh, you know, has all the instincts, you know, play smart. And if you're smart linebacker and have instincts, 
that means that and you're, you're going to put in the time, you're going to put in the film work, right? So it means that you're able to anticipate and you're able to uh, be somewhere quicker because that doesn't take that split second. Yeah. So that allows someone who might not, you know, he's, you know, if he raced Roquan Smith in a race, he's not going to, he's not going to keep up with him. Right. But because you can make up for some of that with those instincts and with that internal processing and with the, you know, all that, he's not, he's not Roquan Smith, but like he doesn't have to be. And this defense actually works well for something like him to make tackles. And if he's instinctual and he's, he's got sound technique and, a good enough athlete like yeah you can you can do this you can rack up tackles what i didn't expect <laughs> so so that's why you can rack the tackles yeah sure 12 tackles okay yeah really good game that's awesome didn't expect the two sacks yeah i didn't expect the interception that should have counted because what was that what happened why was that guy on in a heap on the ground i i think he was just flopping i think uh it was so weird i mean like like how would you even think the flop in that situation? Like, what are you selling at that point? I mean, he was hitting the chest by Johnson. It wasn't like it was even, you know, close to the face mask or close to the head or close to the eyes, wherever it was. But he, like you said, he went down in a heap, like he was selling something and it worked, you know, and, and unless maybe he, he saw the ref pull the flag out of his eye, he figured he'd stay down there for a little while. But that was just a very strange overall play. And then of course, all the replays come and they're like, you know, what are you hitting? This takes us back to what we're talking about the last few weeks. Where's the sky judge? You know, someone should be able to call in and say, Hey man, you guys missed that. That's a clear miss. There was no, no hit to the face. It was a pop to the chest. Pick that flag up. I don't understand what happened. Like, I, I really don't understand where he hit him to make him do that. I'm, I mean, I'm not even doubting. Like, I mean, if I don't know how you do that. So I don't know. Like, did it come up to the throat? Like, what happened there? I It was weird, and, like, see, he was just in a heat. It didn't make any sense to me. But, um, yeah, there were a couple other calls that were – you know, I didn't see any that went the other way. I I honestly watched for it, but then I didn't see any real flags thrown against Detroit. So, apparently – They only got flagged twice, I believe. So, they're so. super disciplined now. That's a thing. <laughs> now Detroit's known to be a super disciplined team. Yeah. Kind of hard to bite kneecaps when you're that disciplined. But, hey, that's, they, that's they pulled insane. it off. Um, I, I had Sanborn too because I figured, you know, it feels as a given. He he, yeah. he certainly deserves that. So uh, we'll we'll just leave it at Sanborn gets it's it this week. Um, and Fields continues to eat because Fields can have whatever he wants. Yeah, he has op- open whatever whatever Fields wants here at this point. Cole Boyle pours. Let's flip it around to the other side. Who'd you want to nominate for this? I'm gonna go Jalen Johnson, uh, cornerback. Didn't have the best of games. He did have that oblique injury. So. Coach Flues had a presser today, and he said, I'm, I'm going to quote him here, ultimately it's going to be up to them, talking about the players, if they're going to be able to play through injury. If they say they can go, that means they can go. We have to trust them, and we really have to leave it up to them. I agree to a point, because if you watch Jalen Johnson playing, he did not look like he's running with the same speed. The oblique could have been bothering him. I talked to Dr. Mason West, because I am not. I know the oblique somewhere in the torso region. I'm not sure it was, but it's basically under the love handles. It controls a lot of your core movements. So if, if you're hurting there, you're not going to be able to do anything full speed. He did not look full speed. He got beat quite a bit. Um, he was trailing plays quite a bit. And now Jalen Johnson is not a 4-3 speed guy, but he's a pretty good athlete. He's got some speed, and he just didn't look the same. So I thought maybe they, you know, he did leave the game with injury a couple times. I don't know if it was a pain management thing or whatever, but 
at some point the head coach or, or his position coach or, or the D coordinator say, hey, look, Jalen Johnson, you're not effective. Take a seat. We're going to go with we the love you, guy that but Yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah, he got beat by that tight end over the middle on that crosser. Oh, that was terrible. particularly bad. Um, that's something that Jalen Johnson should not be getting beat on. Yep. So at some point, it just makes more sense uh, to, to have a healthy backup level player out there. So uh, for me, uh, I got to give it to Kyle Santos. So kicked the ball out of bounds, didn't really hurt him. But, you know, that's that's an issue uh, on, a, on a kickoff. You, you give the opposing team really good field position again that drive didn't go anywhere uh but still that's that's a, that's a mistake but then the real mistake is missing a pat and again he's been great all year we you know we like Kyle santos a lot but that is particularly tough in a tight game you lose by one yeah. you know, the whole dynamic of the, the, the game is very different because you know it's a tie football game you're probably going to overtime you know in that last last little bit uh if if you can't move the ball Bears obviously don't, and they, uh, you know, they, they lose the football game there. So, you know, I guess you just like to see and make that point after kick. You can give it to anybody on defense too. I mean, I get it, but like, he just makes a PAT, and this thing goes into overtime. But I'm particularly irked because I I threw a swipe right alternative total bet on this game because I thought there's just going to be tons of points, and I had over sixty two and a half. Oh, there it is. And so if he would have made it and that would have gone into overtime or somebody, you know, the Bears have kicked field goal at the end of the game, they would have got 65 points in this game and I would have hit a nice little alternative bet. So really it comes down to Cairo, like, you know, that's a couple of units that you shaved off of my off of my pot there. So that was kind of, that was rough. Yeah, that's a good one, Cairo Santos. That's, you know, it's a PAT. I mean, yeah, it's not the same Gotta PAT it was back in the olden days. But still, that's a that's a, a kick to every you know you shouldn't miss those and uh, he's missed a few now this season. Uh, that's a good one there. I mean, uh, I didn't hear anything after the game. I mean, did, did, was there an excuse? Was it a slip? Was it a hold? I mean, it was nothing. It was just he just shanked it, and no one focused on it. No one talked about that. You know, even I saw people that you know we write with. It was like, oh, the difference in the game was Fields doing this. It was like, I mean, very literally, the the difference was a missed. Point after touchdown, yeah. like it's one thirty-one point. to thirty. Yeah, <laughs> literally, that's the difference. Yeah. So, eh, what are you going to do? All right, uh, let's uh, let's move on to the just right. I talked on it earlier. It's Justin Jones, uh, defensive tackle okay. through three technique, three tackles, two tackles for loss, one quarterback hit. He was one of the few guys uh, on defensive line that was kind of doing his thing, and you know his his penetration. You can kind of tell was effective. Uh, like I said, I did mention it to two TFLs. Uh, he was making his, his presence known out there. I thought he did pretty good. I also want to quick mention uh, Joe Thomas, uh, strong side linebacker, had a couple of those uh, passes defended. You know, it's, it's funny because that position in this defense is not obviously a glamorous spot. It's the strong side backer. Joe Thomas wasn't was out of football for a touch. I mean, the Bears cut him. He, he was on the street and only wanted him. Uh, they brought him back to the practice squad, and then they had some injuries, and instead of giving it to one of the, to the UDFAs, they said, hey, Joe Thomas, uh, we'll just call you up and we'll start you now. You know, it just kind of shows you the – the position of value uh, of that linebacker, the uh, off-ball linebacker, the Sam, just not that high where you can start your practice squad guy there because, and he can be, you know, he's fine. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's it's a position the Bears have to uh, address next season, but you can get by with plug-and-play guys at that spot. Yeah, I had I had Joe Thomas written down as a note here, so um, I will go with my other just right. Khalil Herbert. 
10 carries, 57 yards. So about at that six yards carry yep. that he's been averaging this year. The first down runs that go for first downs, very few things in life make me happier than that. It's so nice, right? So he's been really fantastic all year. And someone posted a leaderboard of running backs. Now, the Bears have played. They haven't had their bye week. And so I think some of these teams might might catch up with some of the running backs, whatever. But top ten, uh, it was like a top, I don't know, 12, 15 list, whatever. So just to show that Justin Fields is now like in the top 10 for rushing yards in the league. And there, you know, there's the heavy hitters up top, right? The Derrick Henry and, uh, you know, Nick Chubb and those kind of guys. And I'm like, but wait, <laughs> the 11th ranked guy is the backup running, the backup running back, Hello, Herbert. It's pretty amazing what he has done from an efficiency standpoint. And I, I, I know that, you know, the, the pass blocking isn't there. I know that he might not be the greatest receiver out of the backfield or whatever, but what, what he does when he carries the football is mighty impressive. And I, I don't know, man, I want more carries, you know, at least this was an even split with Dave Montgomery this game. I want more. I want more Khalil Herbert carries. Yeah. The carries were there. The playing time wasn't, he did have a hip injury that he had to leave the game for. Uh, they didn't address it uh, today. I'm sure we'll find out more on Wednesday at the press conference after practice. Man, if, if Herbert's gone for any length of time, that's going to hurt this uh, this rushing offense because behind him is Treston Ebner, uh, uh, Darrington Evans on the practice squad as well. But it'll just be the the, the the demo show. And, you know, I think we like David Montgomery, but I think we like that uh, one-two punch. So uh, hopefully Herbert's uh, able to go. Yeah, I'm not even going to entertain that until – Thank you. <laughs> Something official. So, well, that's uh, that's the three bears. I before we get out of here, I did have some notes about penalties. So if people don't want to hear about penalties, they can turn it off. But uh, first drive, the hold on Braxton Jones. Did you see a hold there? Is that called on somebody different? Like, did they they called seventy? But I didn't see a hold. It was down by the goal line, and then it killed it. It looked like they were going in for a touchdown, and then they had to kick a field goal. It was very ticky-tack. I mean, it's as as offensive linemen, there's holding and there's grabbing. And we talk about grabbing's fine. You know, what happens is he's, he's grabbing in there, and then once the defender kind of, you know, gets away from your body, it kind of shows the pull of the jersey. And, you know, sometimes the refs let that go because it's not really affecting the play. The, these refs were tick tack. It was just, uh, I didn't agree with the call, but I, I see why they called it. But it's like, come on, that's that play usually gets let go nine times out of 10. All right. No call on of the commit shot, the shot play. I tweeted this out. Look, I'm of two minds. One, if you're going to be consistent in the league and call these pass interferences where uh, the receiver has to slow up because it's an underthrown ball the defender is not looking and makes contact, then you have to throw the flag there. Yeah. Like that was absolutely what happens every single football game. It gets called all the time to not call. That is ridiculous. Is it because he's a tight end? Like why, why are you not calling that? I don't understand, but I also hate rewarding underthrown passes where the receiver comes back. This is what, I mean, I did not, I was pretty upset when, when they called this on Eddie Jackson Right. But Eddie Jackson was in good position. Right. So that, that's the difference. So 
I kind of hate, I hate the call, but like, if you're going to call it, then you need to give the bears that call as well. Uh, and that, that one would have been nice. Yeah. That was clear path. Again, two weeks row, the clear pass interference, it clearly happened. It, it, like I said, maybe it was commit. Maybe the, the ref just wasn't expecting it or, you know, sometimes the bigger players kind of get, you know, they uh, they can fight through it because they're bigger and stronger. Sometimes these refs have that in their mind. Um, so I don't know. I didn't agree with it either. You know, it's uh, another one. Chalk it up. Uh, the no call or commit late where oh, yeah, he's, was, he's coming was. over. He runs into him. I think they just missed that. There's just no way that you see that and don't call it. Like, I think it was just. They didn't. They weren't watching it. I, I just. I can't. I can't think of another explanation. Um, I also have late hit written, um, in in the quotations. I don't really actually remember what that was. <laughs> Apparently, sure there was, was a late. One. There was a late hit call that wasn't really a late hit. But anyway, uh, yeah, I did notice a few calls that went against the Bears, and I didn't really see the calls against the Lions being bad calls because there weren't a lot of actual calls yeah so no it was not really called both ways is what this is a, it's you you hate looking at the refs and trying to say this but man, this it. is this is in a happened a lot this year it's in yep. you know maybe it's just happening more than usual because we're kind of more hyper focused on what's happening now but it's just a it's been a really strange year as far as the officiating goes when it comes to chicago bears just some blatant just some really egregious misses where it's like, how do you miss that? The, the one I clay pull last week, the one I commit that, you know, this last, this last game, it's like, you know, then, then of course you mentioned the one with commit across the middle where uh, how do you miss that? I mean, commits running his route and he just gets collided into by, by the, by the lion. It's like, what are you looking at? There's a guy there. I mean, is there a guy watching that, that part of the field, but yet they didn't see it. Insane. It's ridiculous. Insane. All right, let's uh, let's let's close this up. We'll stick around for a few minutes. I have something to do today. That's why I had to go early. Uh, but we'll stick around for a few minutes for the YouTube crowd. But what's going on at the site? What's going on channel? Want to highlight before we get out of here? Uh, yes, everything. I mean, it's uh, a lot of stuff. Uh, Sack watch, of course, coming up. You know, Sam's got his 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 stock watch tomorrow morning. At some point, it's gonna pop off. You know, there's it's every day. Every day, something new, something fresh. Whether it's uh, the site the podcast channel, or the YouTube channel. Yeah, I'll just mention that I, I am in Seattle. Those of you that are watching this can see my background as a hotel room once again. Uh, hung out with EJ yesterday, uh, watched games with him all day. And then Wednesday, we will do a live uh, Bears Over Bears together. So join us fun. Wednesday for that. It'll be a little earlier than we have been doing. Um, so it'll be probably more around the 6 o'clock hour instead of the 8 o'clock hour. Um, on Wednesday, but we'll keep you up to date of when we actually go live. We've got a couple things that we're going to do beforehand, and then we'll we'll get into that. So uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, well, uh, winnable game on the schedule here coming up. Uh, the Falcons are, are not a great football team and certainly uh, a winnable game there. But we will check in with you guys next week uh, when I'm back on home turf. And uh, until next time, bear down. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.